Hey guys, I'm Kevin from Get A Life Podcast Kunai, and you're listening to our Spring 2016 Simcast Special. And uh, if you're new to our Simulcast Specials, and you're like, what the fuck are those? Uh, don't worry, because I'm pretty new to them too. Uh, actually, I was supposed to be on our last and first Simcast Special, uh, which was Degashi Kashi. So if you didn't listen to that, check it out. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by Bish. Hello. And Joe. Hello. And today, the three of us are going to be talking about Kiznaiver. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, though, and get into the heart of the discussion, uh, Bish, could you explain what Simcast Specials are, since they're pretty new? For those who are new to Simulcast Special, these are basically special episodes that will be aired once per season, covering one series in the most recent season of anime. So with these episodes, our goal is to stay up to date with the hottest new series and get a taste of what things are new in the anime industry and what they have to offer to us. It also gives us a chance to share our opinions on current anime instead of just going back to older anime, you know, like Haganai and all this kind of stuff. And um, But there are some restrictions and I'll go through them now. We won't be covering any sequels, so that means no Food Wars Season 2, no Attack on Titan Season 2, and we're not going to cover any prequels um, or spin-offs or any series that's pretty much over 13 episodes long, and it won't replace any monthly episodes either. It's going to air alongside them. Like the regular episodes, we're not going to cover the source material for this anime, and we can be found on Stitcher, iTunes, and now on Google Play, and if you'd like to share your thoughts, you can contact us at G-A-L-P-Kunai on Twitter or by email at G-A-L-P-P-E-A at gmail.com. In addition to that, if you really want to support us out and you think we're awesome, you know what you can do? You can go to www.lootcrate.com forward slash kunai and you know what? Sign yourself up for Loot Anime because it's a fucking amazing box. We're not sponsored by Loot Anime, but we've reached out to them. They gave us this this link, and it's something for you guys, you know? Because it's a fucking amazing service. And, you know, I personally use it myself. Uh, for those of you who do not know what Kiznaver is, in which case I highly suggest you go watch Kiznaver before actually listening to this episode, uh, Kiznaver, or Kizna for short, is an action, a thriller, sci-fi, and drama original anime show written by Mari Okada. Um, sorry if I mispronounced the names here, I'm not Japanese, so. Uh, it aired during the spring season of 2016, obviously, and ran for 12 episodes. Uh, Kiznaiver is produced by Studio, Studio Trigger, who you may know uh, because they also produced uh, Kill a Kill, which is another really well-known anime. And it was directed by Hiroshi Kobayashi, who also directed uh, stuff for Kill a Kill. Uh, in terms of story, uh, I'll be quite uh, concise. It's it's actually quite simple. So the story revolves around seven students, right, who live in this uh, city. I believe it's called Sugumori City, right? And on the surface, this city looks pretty normal, right? It's just your average Japanese city, you know, with normal stuff going on. But underneath all this, underneath this facade, uh, some shady shit's going on. Basically, uh, the city was founded by uh, an association of businesses and uh, gov- the government of Japan, uh, to experiment with the Kizna system, which is basically, uh, the goal is to link people to their pain, and what they hope to achieve through this is basically peace, world peace, somehow. And basically, we follow the lives of these seven students who are unwillingly forced to be part of this program, and uh, their trials and tribulations. That's basically the backdrop for this anime. But uh, moving on to our first impressions, though. Uh, 
Who wants to start? I'll I'll start first. Um, my first impressions. I think initially this show was introduced to me. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to Tyson. He's probably listening to this. I I saw his um show called Impressions about this anime, and I was like, ugh, I hate this show. <laughs> like that's that's the feeling I had. I just hated the, the show <clears throat> from the first impressions. I really didn't want to watch it, and then it came to the point where we had to choose something. For the simulcast, and we we chose this anime, so we, we kind of went with it in that sense. Um, my first impressions of actually watching the show from the first sort of episodes, I was hyped. I I got hooked because the anime is so colorful, and there's an underlying tone to it. You kind of get flashbacks from the past, so it wants the anime wants you to know more, and it makes you want to know more as well. Like I really want to stay on. And figure out what the hell this story was. So that's, in, in terms of first impressions, it got me hooked from the first episode. Well, mine is a pretty, I'd say mine is a little generic because it's here's the thing. I'm actually I'm actually a fan of Trigger's past work, and so it, it was really exciting to hear about this about this new show. And then I decided like, well. <clears throat> I, like I said, like I need to watch this because I love the designs for each of the characters, Espe- like especially a certain character. Like when I saw Nico for the first time, like these artists know what they're doing. Like they know how to make something pop. So I just like I'm like because of the art design and because just I really want to watch the show, I just decided to I decided to watch it, and they got me hooked. That's really interesting. You know what? I'm surprised that your first impressions are basically the same as mine, uh, in terms of design anyway. Uh, so, like Bish said, we were kind of choosing a show uh, for a SimCast special for spring 2016, right? And we were on this, this is how it went down. So basically, um, I was just scrolling down Scargate's charts, all right? And it's a site uh, where you can see the next season's shows, all right? And the reason Kiz and Iver caught my eye, not gonna lie to you here, is because of the art, all right? The art for this anime and the de- general design is on fucking point, all right? And I haven't watched Studio Trigger anime in the past, but if there are, the art that I've seen for Kill a Kill has t- told me anything about Studio Trigger, it's that they know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to design and art direction, right? Like Bish said, the colors are... It's, it's a really colorful anime, right? And the colors pop. There's nice contrast. The character design is really nice. Uh, no two characters in this anime looks the same, right? So they're really unique and really special. And that I have to commend. In terms of, like, moving aside from the design, though, in terms of the first few episodes, I have to give it some credit where credit's due, right? The story is interesting, all right? Because, honestly, I can't think of any anime out there that has the same premise, you know? This experiment where people are linked by their pain. It's really unique, and it's this uniqueness that makes me want to watch it. But at the same time, right from the first episode, I found that, to be honest, it was a bad pilot, all right? And I'll tell you why. Like, there's just way too much exposition, right? So I don't know if you guys remember, but Sonozaki, or Sonozaki, uh, who is the main protagonist, or one of the main protagonists, she's the girl with the light blue hair, who's most expressionless. Uh, during the first episode, she basically goes on this whole exposition, all right? About, you know, the seven sins or something, and about how each of the characters that were selected were based on the seven sins, but they're not even the seven sins because she mentions like um, basically seven personas that you find in high schools, which these characters somehow fit under. So it's really weird, didn't make sense to me, you know, going into the anime. And there's also, if you remember, the the huge info dump when she when they're, when they're all kidnapped, right? And she explains the Kizna program to her. 
right? So it's this exposition, in my opinion, that ruins the first episode, all right? Because, yeah, plot, the premise is interesting, I'll give it that, but exposition is boring, all right? That's how you kill interest. No one wants to, you know, get read a wall of text, right? That's not interesting. That's it's not what appeals to me as a viewer. I don't know what you guys think about that, but uh, what do you think about you know, Sonazaki in the first episode in general? Do you think there was too much opposition? I think we needed that. We needed it because you're going to introduce us into this kind of scape where it's a completely new idea. We don't quite understand the Kizuna program. If you were to throw us in there without any sort of exposition, we wouldn't have known what the fuck's going on. I think it would have been too much of a mystery and then we needed to have such like a much longer anime instead so i understand why they decided to have that exposition in the beginning and I, to be honest i liked it because the anime itself doesn't have a lot of backstory other than what you get at the beginning and what you get at the end the middle doesn't have any sort of backstory so i find myself getting lost you know in terms of okay who who is nori chan who is who are these characters what are the goromori things what what are the characters relationships with each other how do they know each other we only found these things at the beginning briefly and at the end and i think it didn't even give us full closure because of that because we didn't know the full thing and to be honest if we didn't have the exposition at the beginning the anime just would have felt unfinished and i agree with you there right just to clarify i'm not saying that they are wrong to use exposition right perhaps it was the only way to shove in all of that info within the first episode to to give the viewer the information they need to continue in the anime, right? Because without that background information, you'd be completely fucking lost and you'd have no idea what's going on. Nonetheless, though, I have to bring up that exposition, exposition for me, it's not the best device to use because it's, yeah, you can use it, but it's still boring, right? I can understand why they did it. I just still don't like it, right? As stubborn as that may sound. I would argue though, I don't know if you agree with this, Bish, I would argue that the second episode works better as a pilot episode because if you remember correctly, the second episode, what did it have? It had all seven characters, oh, six actually, sorry, because uh, Hisomu was not introduced yet. Uh, in the second episode, they're all forced to play this like death game, right? It's kind of like Saw, it kind of, kind of reminded me of... Um, yeah, but the reason we knew the context behind a death game was because of the first yes, episode. Yes, admittedly, but... So you can't say like the second episode could work as a pilot because... Oh, certainly, but... Then. Certainly not, but through this death game, you know the mechanics of the Kizuna system. You get to see it firsthand rather than, you know, just having it read aloud to you. And secondly, in the first episode, you don't know much about the side characters. In the second episode, through their fears and them, through them being put through immense pressure and put, put through these tight situations, you learn about their personalities and who they are, right? Without them, like, being read to your face. I just want to interject for a bit. I kind of agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, I... I kind of disagree about you saying that the second episode would have served as a better pilot only because, you know, the second episode in itself seemed kind of cheesy, like it's already been done. For example, these are a bunch of misfits who each of them have their own fears that they don't want to tell each other. And that's what mm -hmm. mainly happened in the second episode. It had a persona vibe to it. It was just like, oh, really, you're going to announce who your true self is and then pass the test by doing so. It did have a persona vibe. You know, you know what I mean? Hmm, that's interesting. Because, you know, when in Persona 4, you know, each and every one of them had this secret that they didn't want to kind of reveal out to the people and accept themselves for who they really are. And you see this in Kiznaiva as well, at least in the second episode. You know, Yuta doesn't want to admit that he was fat. And um, I can't remember Tenga's fear, that, afraid of dogs, which, to be honest, 
we get references of everyone else's fears before, like after, but we don't actually get Tenga's fear. Like no one, no one ever mentions that he's afraid of dogs ever again in this anime. So you only get that in episode two. It's just like, what the hell? Well, wasn't he like the, wasn't he the first person to reveal a fear though? Yeah. Yeah. He was, but I feel that his fear was just like, it was just there to get the wheel rolling. If you think of it like that, if you take down the consideration that you can assume that maybe that was kind of like the intro fear, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I mean, it was like, it, the it's fear meaningless to like show like, this is how it works. Yeah. Hmm, I think that Tenga's fear was only there because, you know, it's not referenced much at all later on. It's not there just so that other characters start, you know, talking about their fears. It's there to get the wheel rolling, uh, so to speak. Uh, And Bish, to retort, um, it's really interesting that you mentioned Persona because now that I think about it, yeah, that is true. But aside from Persona, though, I can't think of many others that any, any other shows that have used this concept. I mean, if you're another, it's not just this concept. I think it's a merge of multiple concepts. For example, mm-hmm. Hug and I, a bunch of misfits. You know, people that you wouldn't assume to be friends become friends because they don't actually have friends. That's the premise of Hug and I. This is basically Hug and I and Persona mangled together. And I think one other anime, but I, I can't quite remember the third anime. It was a mixture of three animes that came into my mind mm. that kind of created. Oh, the third one was Killer Kill. Um, you know, obviously because it's Studio Trigger and the character design and even how the characters act is very reminiscent of Killer Kill. But I'll get more into that specifically in the characters portion. But yeah. So, like, perhaps I just didn't speak correctly. I didn't mean that the second episode would be a better pilot, literally. It's just that I personally found that you learned more about the characters and the plot in a more interesting way than the first episode. Which granted, like I said, yeah, they kind of had to use exposition, but I personally enjoyed the second episode a lot more. I came out of the first episode kind of, like, disappointed because of the exposition, and the second episode immediately fixed that. So I'm really glad that happened and it didn't drag on uh, for a very long time. Because honestly, if I was just watching this with my own leisure, I think that had uh, the exposition in episode one dragged on much, much longer than I honestly would have dropped it. Moving on, though, past first impressions, though, uh, do you guys have any moments in the anime that particularly come to mind, though, when we're talking about favorite moments? Because I'm surprised that Bish says that there's exposition at the beginning and at the end, and there's little to nothing in between. Honestly, I would disagree, right? Uh, respectfully there. How so? I think that, because some of my favorite moments in episodes here are, uh, it's the mini Maki arc, right? I don't know if you remember that. That's in episode 7. See, that's the thing. That's that's not what I'm talking about. In terms of exposition, I meant more so the backstory of this anime. I didn't mean the character's side stories. Because the Maki arc is needed to kind of push forward the actual story of this anime do you see what i mean it's not okay so you're talking about just the setting here right yeah i'm talking about the setting and i'm talking about specifically this hulk is neither deal um because maki's arc has nothing to do directly with the kiznaiva program do you see what i mean i wanted to know more about the kiznaiva program and we only got snippets of that most in the beginning and mostly at the end as well and by the end i mean the last three episodes was it completely devoid like but the only if i remember correctly the only way the the origins of the program were referenced was through very small flashbacks to the original kism program with the kids yeah uh so i guess on one side you could say that oh yeah it's uh, it's interesting because you know you don't know too much about the original program so that motivates you to continue to watch uh but i don't know i found that yeah it was kind of a tease 
perhaps too much of a tease for me, but uh, mm. I don't know. It just the, the way that they paced this. So as you were saying about the marquee arc, you were, you were mentioning that it was your favorite. Yeah, well, I want to know why, really. Why? Cause... Well, it's not like the marquee arc, in my opinion, is super original, right? Uh, the concept here, I think, has been done before another anime. Whenever this character has a tragic past and they don't want to talk about it and they shut themselves away from the rest of the world because of that, right? It's been done over and over in a bunch of other anime. But the reason why I brought it up and why I think that it sticks out in this anime is not because it's particularly very good. It's more like it's the only interesting thing in the middle of the anime that happens for me because Maki, for some reason, is one of the side characters that gets... Uh, more character development than the others, right? Uh, like Tenga, Yuta, they don't get nearly as much backstory as Maki. Maki gets several episodes in the middle, nearing episode seven, I think it's episodes five, six, and seven, where she gets her own arc and they dive into her past, right? You don't really even get this with um, the main character, Kachun, until the very end. So that's why this episode comes to mind, because the other characters, unfortunately, are kind of boring at that point for me and it kind of explains why she's a bitch right because up until that point i'll be honest she is a bitch right you don't really have much of a reason to like her she just acts cold she acts because she doesn't really give a shit and that explains why she's come to act that way and you know it kind of opens her character up and it makes her more interesting right you're able to understand her i kind of saw it as her like the reason she was so rude was because she didn't really like herself like she like she really didn't care about much because like it's like she felt like she killed a friend dear to her and because of that like it's kind of burdened her for the longest time and and like she just doesn't really care about her actions as much as she used to if i were to put into words like she doesn't care about others at that point because like, she doesn't want to care because th in the past that's gotten her hurt right with her old friend she didn't take her friendship all the way to the end because she didn't want to get hurt right so that's why she shut herself away yeah and like i said it's kind of a cliche right i don't know if you guys agree with me but i think that has been done before see it's been done before and i think mainly it's been done in a lot of romance anime i understand they decided to do this for dramaticism so you actually feel for maki as opposed to having her uh just be there like the rest of the character let's be honest like yuta doesn't have much character development and she at the moment has the most you know so it's not like that episode was particularly good but that's the thing why is it your favorite that's what i want to know it was diamond the rough not a particularly uh... beautiful diamond but compared to the other characters who did not get any development or very little development it was better because yes it was a cliche but at least it was something i i feel that they spent too much time on her her episode and it didn't her her backstory didn't make much sense you know she was clearly in love with the you know her friend mm -hmm. and whatnot and i didn't understand when they went into the mum's house and yeah nico was saying oh you know she feels bad about this and you know she she feels like she's killed her and then she, the mum basically says get out like, I didn't, I, I understand why the mum said get out, because the mum couldn't handle that conversation. But at the same time, it's like, the mum acknowledges that, you know, Maki killed her. But in real life, you know, she died, if if I'm not mistaken, didn't she die of some sort of... She died from terminal yeah. kidney disease. Yeah, exactly. So she had some sort of terminal illness. So I can't, I don't see how that's attributed to Maki and why the mother is so, oh, fuck Maki. You know what I mean? That doesn't make sense because her kid was going to die anyway. I think that the reason why she's so pissed here is it not because Maki literally killed Butterface um, mm. because she didn't, right? She didn't. No, she didn't. But the thing is, what happened, to my understanding, was that uh, before she died, like the month before she died, 
she completely cut off all contact with her friend and she they didn't speak at all basically and the mom is really pissed off at maki for for cutting off communication that's not that's bullshit because you can obviously tell like i can understand the mom's thinking oh she might have made my my daughter like really depressed and whatnot but the 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 daughter actually wrote such a beautiful ending you know a good ending instead of a shitty ending as what maki thought so mm -hmm. that kind of shows that yeah she was probably going through some hardships but she wasn't depressed to that point like she had acceptance yeah if the illness thing wasn't there i think that things would have gone very differently but the important thing here about the mom's reaction it's very harsh but if if i put myself in her shoes i think that i understand because the mom doesn't know about what goes on you know behind the scenes between Duru and maki right all she knows is that she has a terminally ill daughter all right who has one single friend right and that friend like means everything to her right and that friend just left her without telling her why while she was dying right in her last moments and she wasn't there for her when she was dying so from that if you take if you take it from that point of view you can kind of understand why the mom was so pissed is she correct in being pissed i don't know that's not for me to decide but oh, yeah that, i understand that but for her to say oh she killed my daughter that's that's a bit ridiculous for me. Well, yeah, but her child died, right? There can't really always be rational when something yeah, of, course. of that magnitude of course. happens. Well, you, well it, that could imply that, like, right after they both, right after they were both abandoned, like, after she, after Aru was abandoned by Maki, it's like she kind of, I guess she kind of just felt really bad about her. But see, that's the, that's the thing. The anime doesn't give us that information, so we, we can't make assumptions. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just a theory of mine. It's not really, like, an assumption. Oh, it's not really like saying something concrete. Mm. So, um, for me, I would say my favorite episodes and moments was when the the hiki, hikikomori was introduced. The guy who loves pain. That was very odd in a way because oh, it, for me, oh, yeah, y Yoshiharu his son. Yeah, Yoshiharu. Oh my god! Like when he was first introduced, it was hilarious because everyone was like, "Oh my god, he's so sexy." He's like, it's like, it's like. Tumblr looking at characters from free. That's how it clicked in my mind. It felt like that. And it's the same sort of thing when Yuta was introduced as well. It was like, that's one of my favorite moments. It was in episode two. Everyone's like, oh my god, it's Yuta-kun, it's Yuta-kun. And he's like, yes, I am Yuta-kun. And then all the girls were like, ah! That was I loved one of my Yuta, favorite episodes. And episodes. I was like, um, he's like... Haru. Ha uh, he's like Haru. He's Haru. He's, but he's not he's as basically he's not Haru. as like muscular as Haru, but like that that's like Haru's brother or something. And and right? the other one reminds me of Rin. See, this is Tenga? this is, I don't I don't want to Wait, Tenga reminds you get, of Rin, really? Not te not Tenga, no. The the guy that likes pain. He reminds you of Rin? I don't know because he's just has, he has that weird slender kind of body kind of like Rin and he ha I I don't know. I'm not sure if he has sharp teeth, but he looks like the kind of guy that has sharp teeth. Anyway, I like his introduction because he likes pain and that's made as a joke a lot but i liked how it took the main character to jump off a bridge for him to actually come to his senses and be like hey yeah i'm gonna join you guys his reaction was weird though. you know he was ha he was having orgasms effectively basically um yeah. paingasms yeah in a in a way but no he was he was getting some sort of sexual pleasure from it but you know everyone's different different <laughs> strokes for different folks and I, he's a masochist yeah he's a masochist and you know i can't i can't blame him for liking pain that's up to him and that's i really just i find it very smart how the episode was kind of set out and kind of structured so that's why it was one of my favorite episodes joe um uh, my favorite episode 
would probably well it's not like an episode per se but i really liked because there was one point in the show where they started going really deep into the past you know what i'm saying uh can you specify like is it episode nine perhaps where they they really go into every character's backstory i know that there was a point where they were talking about the past and the past in bulk like they were talking about like the past kiznaver system and that was oh yeah that was towards the end if not mistaken it's episode nine yeah episode nine actually happens to be one of my favorite episodes as well uh that, that's what you're talking right. about it's i guess you could say the my favorite episode was the one when when noriko and agata when they were both in the gym and then they started then they because he realized oh he was connected to to noriko and then they just they were talking about how like the reason why he can't feel pain it wasn't talking about that episode but after that this is more like a favorite moment like not like a favorite episode so was it specifically like the interaction between noriko and um Kachon? that like the revelation yeah the the attraction the attraction between like between noriko and katsuhira and like then they talked about like the past and how they were both connected through the past because the system and how something went wrong and because of that noriko ended up absorbing like 19 like the pain of 19 people at once and it kept multiplying and she ended up basically going insane well that's not an episode nine that's like the whole last part of the anime the thing is it's kind of tricky because like bish said i kind of realize that now like the backstory for um agata katram uh, in, in the case and uh, sonzake uh arguably you can say that they're the two main characters right i know that the the seven they're the main characters but like the main protagonists here arguably are sonzake and agata right and you only really learn about them yeah because like the first episode the first episode starts straight up with like i'm gonna like I'm gonna show you how to get your pain back. Like one day because of that, actually, I don't know if you guys think the same way, but I found that that whole connection between um, Agata and uh, Noriko, I found it to be very predictable. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it was very predictable. It's like it's it's more like it's like this show really had my curiosity going, like it because it really wanted me to know more about this, sh- more about what's happening. It's like why can't he feel like i was wondering throughout the entire show like why couldn't he feel pain like what's his connection with sonozaki and it's like and then you realize like oh the reason he can't feel pain is because his emotions were essentially drained yeah, out it's of kind him. of i i found that from my point of view i found that yeah the story is cool it's just that since it's so predictable since they kind of put that moment in the very first episode right away mm. it kind of telegraphed what was it happening right yeah you you can predict the ending from the beginning yeah. the only thing i knew about from this small part was like he like his pain was taken away from him and Sonosaki was related to us somehow like so to that end that was predictable but I didn't I didn't couldn't really think that 19 people ended up going into Sonosaki and she didn't send it back that I could not predict yeah I I agree with that but at the same time we weren't introduced to these 19 people until you know somewhat maybe episode 8 or 9 when we kind of found out that there was more Kiznaiver subjects I know but that, that's one. Well, well, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm just saying, like, this is this is my favorite moment because, like, that when they revealed everything and, like, like when they revealed that all these people are part of the system and, like, how their emotions were drained and Noriko's basically absorbing all their pain. I completely agree there, Joe. And the re- it's the reason why she has tranquilizers over and over. Because if she doesn't, then she's going to go crazy. I agree because, obviously, even though we don't know the characters very well, I did feel a bit sad, you know, at that one scene where um, fucking Agata, you know, he sees his old friends, you know, the ones in the original Kismet experience, right? Experience. And they're all like fucking... Oh my god. They're, they're vegetables, basically. And he just fucking breaks down in tears. It, it was a whole 30 seconds of him crying. It made me feel so sad. It, it was sad, to be honest. But 
you know, I'm a sucker for crying scenes and it was sad, but like Bish said, we don't know these 19 people. So the question is, why the hell should I give a fuck about these 19 people? Yeah, it's sad. If you tell me, for example, that 19 people died, I'll be like, yeah, that's sad, right? That's sad, it's a sad thing. But I don't have a personal reason to care about those 19 people because we don't know much about them. They're just 19 names. It might just be a me thing because any like any bad thing that happens to any character in the show just makes me feel really sad. It's like, yeah, but that's the, that's the thing. Like this, this show doesn't have much development to it anyway. And going back onto Kevin's point, I completely agree with you. Why should we care about these side characters, these 19 people? And I don't think even the anime cares about them because they all look the same. All of them look the same. They're just slightly yeah, modified. Exactly. And it's just like, mm, really? If you look at the design... Well, they, they mention... They describe each of the characters briefly, like, they talk about, like, his, like, they talk about cats. That's the thing, that's very shallow, and obviously, yes, because they're kids, I can understand why it's shallow, but it's also the fact that we don't know who is who. Exactly. If I ask you who was Asuka, and I gave you all of them, would you remember which one's Asuka? No, because they all look the same. No, I, I wouldn't. No, I'm saying I, I totally agree with you. Like, it could, the introductions could have been better. I'm just saying, like, to some extent, they were introduced. Well, yeah. And the reason we should... I'm saying the reason we should care about them, like, when they're revealed, is because, like, they were... Like, it's because of Sonozaki, because all their emotions were sent into Sonozaki, and they weren't sent back. Even then, I don't give a shit, because... Sorry to burst people's bubbles here, all right? Sorry to seem Tonozaki people, but um, I just don't give a shit. Well, I'm not inclined to give much of a shit about Sonozaki either, right? Because, yeah, she does get some interesting points about that, you know, her past is interesting to a certain extent at the end where they, you know, make some revelations. But throughout the entire fucking anime, right? Sorry, rant here. I think that Sonozaki and Agata, for two main characters, they are fucking dull, all right? I'm sorry, I have to be blunt. They're fucking dull. I understand that, Kevin, and I think the anime does them a disservice the anime story does them a disservice because they can say well they're dull i won't even say it's the story it's more like the pacing it's like no it's no i think it's the story but what i'm saying here is that it's the fact that the show gives itself and a reason they could say oh okay these characters are only so dull because they had their emotions taken away from them because of the kids system and i think that's a very bullshit reason and people will say that to kind of defend these characters but i think it's just a probably either a restraint from you know St studio trigger trying to get this out as soon as possible or pacing issues mainly but they can use that as an excuse or, or people who disagree can use that as an excuse i don't you know think I mean? that that's a valid excuse right because me neither but i'm saying this is what people could say yeah and i'll I'll explain why those people are wrong, right? I think that this is what was going through Trigger's minds. They're like, right, yeah, we'll have two kind of like monotone expressionless characters. And yeah, granted, there is a plot point behind it, but you know people will forgive us because we'll have a really cool twist at the end, right? We'll blow their minds. But for me... If anything, I think it's reasonable to say that they were used as plot devices. They were. A lot of characters used as plot devices. Sonozaki, I believe... It's just like plot devices with a little bit of personality. That's how I think I could agree with that. Even if you have the best, most mind-blowing twist at the end, all right, that, you know, you know, makes everything worthwhile. The fact is, I've watched, what, 10 episodes of watching Agata and Sonozaki be completely emotionless drones, all right? That's not gonna go away in my mind, right? I'm not gonna forget about 10 episodes of monotone characters for, what, 20 minutes of awesomeness, right? That doesn't make up for 20 minutes or 20... You know, like, that whole time of them being stale and boring characters. And that's what I really don't like about this anime. It's for characters with such great designs, they're extremely shallow. Like, we're already talking about characters, but uh, I want to know. 
But do you guys have any favorites here in terms of personality? Because we've already talked about design. Yeah, okay. That's the thing. In terms of personality, uh, I'll be honest with you. I have to go back to... Um, I forgot his name. I really forgot his name. Who is he? Just what does he do? The, the Hikikomori character. Isomu. Isomu Ishihara. The reason I like Ishiharu is because... He's kind of wise. It's kind of odd, but he's very wise in a way. Mm. You know, he's there when when uh, Kachon needs him. He's staying in his house, which is kind of creepy at times. And yes, he is used as a trope and he's used as a joke in many cases with, with his orgasms and stuff. But at the same time, I think as a character, if you strip all of the kind of flesh away, he's kind of skeleton. He's a very wise character. He's very calm. He talks about things very logically as well. Can you give an example of this? actually like for example when he's when he's speaking with him you know that when the moment he hasn't eaten and he just gives him the the canned foods he's speaking with him he's having a conversation with him on a one-to-one level he's there for catch on even when no one is there anymore you know that moment where everyone's like oh we shouldn't just talk to each other until the kids live uh, program ends ishimaru is still with him it's yoshimaru you know, you know what? You know what, v- Vish? The fact that you can't remember your favorite character's name is kind of worrying me. Yeah, it's kind of concerning. <laughs> he's not really my favorite character. I think he's just a really good character in terms of how he is. So you're saying you don't have a real favorite? You kind of just have people. I just have like? characters I really like. Um, in terms, and another character I really like is uh Tenga because the reason I like Tenga is because he's a fucking idiot at sometimes. You know, he's the, he's the meathead. <laughs> yes. Kevin, he's the meathead of this anime. He's the, you know, he's he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna fucking beat. So, so it'd be like a chav then, just to use. No, he's no? he's the kanji of this anime in a way. Uh, he, you know, he's he's a tough guy mm. because you know kanji. Okay. Kanji Tatsumi is a tough guy, but then it's revealed that he has a soft a soft in the shell. Same thing with Tenga, and I can relate to that. And you know, this guy is tough, and you know, but you know, he's really sweet on the inside. He really cares about what other people think of him, and he really just wants to get pain over and done with because mm. it affects him a lot. That's why he doesn't want to st- stay sweating in that pain, especially when when he asks Chidori to just oh just reject me already. You know what I mean? He doesn't yeah. want to think about it. You know, because he sees how much it's affecting Chidori in terms of catch on rejecting her he doesn't want to feel the same way for himself oh my god i just want to say right now chidori in in this show it was basically cock block the anime for her no that's the thing i felt so sorry for chidori she's like hakaze from blossom tempest because her love is completely unrequited and you feel like shit for her right because that's all she does during the entire anime just she just gets shot down over and over and over right but the but the thing is like she's introduced as the girl next door slash childhood friend the thing is kachan can't even fucking remember his own childhood at points i was like okay if she's a childhood friend then she must know about the kiznaiva system well it she didn't and it was just like okay how the hell is she kind of related to kachan we don't even know about their past or or anything. This is an issue I have with her as a character. And it is blatantly obvious that, you know, she was at the beginning a very wise character and towards the end you see her become the Sundera character. And it's just like, really, is this how it's gonna play off? I have to agree with you there, Bish, because yeah, at the beginning it's interesting that you mentioned that she's she, she seems pretty wise, right? And I have to agree there. At the beginning, I had really high hopes for her character, right? Because she seemed like, you know, the second main character, right? She seemed to be like the sidekick uh, for Geta. But as the show progressed, unfortunately, I think that unfortunately for her, she kind of devolved into being defined by her relationship with the Gata. 
that is being, you know, cock-blocked constantly and being a sundere, right? And that's a problem with, I think, not only for Chidori, but for a lot of characters in the show, where they're just kind of limited to these tropes and they never really break out of that shell. And you know, this is the one thing I think the episode that caused a lot of this problems was the episode where they they um, decide, oh, this person will like this character and this person will like this character. Yeah, that, that was episode nine. That was bullshit. You, that pissed me off because it was just like, you basically effectively um, started a relationship where Nico likes Tenga and it's like, we didn't know about this and you just introduce yeah. it and it's just like oh yeah so we didn't know about this and then and I don't think Nico even knew about it until it happened and then she was like oh my god I'm in love with Tenga yeah I, I can actually I can actually agree with that and it's the same thing with, with Tenga as well it's like Tenga likes Shidori okay okay I can sort of understand that yeah that I can see that I could see that, like with Nico, maybe it, it was... wasn't as obviously blatant with you know Yuta and uh, Maki. That was a blatant. Yeah, that was telegraphed. That was... You know, we knew that, and that's you know everything is just so obvious, and it's just like that episode fucked me over because it, they're trying too hard, and this is where I felt that the anime kind of went downhill. I know we're talking about characters, mm-hmm. but I think this is this kind of affected the character development of the anime and the anime in general. Okay, it's that the anime focused on being a romance anime after this. And that fucked it up because usually in romance anime, you need a lot of time to kind of focus on the character development. And unfortunately, they done it in such a way where it was like, oh, yeah, OK, let's just show everyone's emotions at once. And that it just went downhill. I would take that a step further. It didn't become a romance anime at that episode. It was trying to be in a romance anime all along, but it kind of fucks up. Because obviously, you, you know from the start, right, that either Agata is going to be with um, Sonazaki or he's going to be with Chidori, right? So there's already some shipping there going on, right? And obviously you know that he's kind of destined to be with Sonazaki, right? So they're, they're trying to lead you into these ships right from the get-go. So right from the start, there's already some characteristics of a romance anime, but the fuck-ups don't become apparent until episode 9, or no, not as blatantly apparent uh, until episode 9, because the thing is that the character development really does not you know, really show up until that point, right? Because... At episode 9, like you said, these ships are kind of thrown together at the last minute without any real, ba- real basis, right? You don't know why these characters like each other. They just randomly do, right? Uh, you aren't really given any hints, several or not, about what characters likes who. So it's really frustrating when they kind of, you know, throw this at you at the last minute, right? It's a curveball, effectively. Uh, I do agree that it should have been foreshadowed from the get-go. Like, even, like, with Yuta and Maki, that was pretty apparent. But with Nico and Tenga, I didn't really know until the people who were running the Kizuna system, like, started talking about, like, yeah. the mission to connect Even to then, love. for Tenga and Chidori, I didn't feel that there was too much to say that they were, you know, attracted to one another. But... You know, Tango was attracted to Chidori. And, you know, people who like this show, right, they'll be like, oh yeah, but guys, um, uh, their emotions are being controlled with the Kizuna system, right? Which is true. They were manipulating the characters' emotions to get them to like one another, right? To create tension, to create conflict, right? To further the Kizuna program. But nonetheless, we understand why it happened. I understand why it happened, right? It's necessary for the plot. But at the same time, it was done in such a rushed manner and it felt so lazy in terms of story writing that it's kind of like a giant fuck you, right? And it was that part of episode 9 uh, that I didn't like. You may have noticed that I said it was, you know, I liked it earlier. 
But that moment kind of ruined the episode. It kind of fucks up the end of the episode, especially when, you know, you learn about the character's emotions. Because, like, a few minutes before that, they're kind of, you know, throwing ships out of nowhere. So it's really frustrating. That's the thing. I think it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth for the rest of the anime as well. Because it's just like, you blatantly know Trigger was trying to make this some sort of romance, even though they didn't mean to. It tried to come out like that and it kind of failed. And it's also the fact that even towards the end, in the end scene of the anime, where Nico is talking about, you know what, I'm I'm gonna have fights with Chidori about my love for, for Tenga. And I'm like, just Yeah, it's just stop. completely out of character, right? Like it, it, these exactly. characters are bad enough already, right? I'll be honest. Mm. Throwing cliche stuff like I, this. I disagree, out of the blue. but I don't think the characters are bad. I just feel that they haven't got enough character development like for example okay. let's talk yeah. about uh let's right. talk about the characters one by one tenga you know he's he's the meathead we've already spoken about him nico i think this is very important because there's a lot of hype on twitter and there's a lot of hype on the internet in general about nico and everyone's everyone's comparing her to another character called nico aka nico yazawa from love life but and they're saying she is the good nico but i'm here to say that yeah nico's a cool character but at the same time she's a very tropey character and let me explain why because she's a we hear this that she's a rich kid and she just wants to be unique you know she wants to be herself and all this kind of stuff oh yeah um but at the same time let's let's name another character who's like that and the another thing is she doesn't want to be first of all she wants to have friends second of all she wants to she's senna basically she's senna she's like senna but you take out all the good parts about senna and that's and, in and a the way shell yes. that's left that's Nico. And, this is the thing. She has the elements of Senna and Mugi-chan in that sense of being a rich kid who wants to be unique and who doesn't want people to have too much attention on her because she's the rich kid. You know what I mean? For Senna, it's the opposite, though. For Senna, it's opposite in a way. But I, I would say she's kind of like Senna because Senna just wants friends. And also, she reminds me a lot of Mako from Kill la Kill. And the reason I say this is because there are elements, you know, those those elements when Mako does those um, those kind of dances or those kind of animated features, like her hair will change and stuff like that. And Nico also has that. Maybe it's it's Studio Trigger going for a certain character's archetype and they just want to kind of continue it. They said, OK, look, this worked for Kill la Kill. Let's put it yeah. for Kiznaiva. Maybe because I've kind of noticed this as well. They do have a the, cult following. They do, they do, and I think it's it's even with um, even with the way the animations were, like the animations for the scars, kind of reminded me of the transformation scenes from Killer Kill. Even the the font and the text of the logos were very similar. The the, the color palettes that they used as well, but for that at least, I believe it was a good thing. Like the character design and the animation and stuff, I think that was good. The, yeah, the tropey characters, not so much, right? And Bish, yeah, it is true that you know. They, they are potentially good characters, right? That could be good if they have enough development, right? But I believe, the reason why I say that, that they're bad characters is because as it stands, other than Maki, sort of, they're all pretty shell. You, you know very little about them. And like I said before, they're basically archetypes, right? Um, in fact, Sonazaki herself says that, you know, they're based on the quote-unquote seven sins, right? So they're just seven archetypes that you find in high schools, right? The, the the seven tropes of anime. Exactly. That's what, they, that's what they are. The seven sins. The seven sins of anime. There you go. Whoa. Mind, mind blown. blown. Right? But let's get back on track because, you know, we are talking about characters, but uh, we're talking about favorite characters, least favorite characters. And, um, oh, it's fine. Uh, because, Bish, I'm sorry, but um, I'm going to have to crush your dreams. <laughs> because uh, my least favorite character, let's start with the least favorite characters, just to get this out of the way. Um, my least favorite characters, I believe, are Hisomu and... 
Tenga, or at least a certain aspect of Tenga. My favorite character, that's pretty obvious already, uh, Sneeko. But it isn't really just about her personality. Well, it isn't just about her design and like how she's all goofy. Mm -hmm. It's like she. It's more because like she was there when nobody else was. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that that same can be said with Hisamu as well. Well, here's the thing. I'm also considering design and stuff. I'm saying not only because like design stuff because I also consider her design to be the best in the in the show. Like aesthetically or like from personality wise. Like like her personality is very free flow like she doesn't really think she kind of just she thinks she's very simple-minded it's like she's always very random mm -hmm. and like her reactions are always like very funny very funny to me throughout the series i just liked how she cared about every character and she cared about bonding making everyone bond together yeah in that i have to agree with you there um you, you could say i'll play the devil's advocate yes yet again you could say that you know uh the fact that she doesn't think and you know she expresses herself constantly we could say that because of that she kind of seems like a shallow character but at the same time uh i think joe might agree with us here it's that in spite of her shallowness, Nico is still very likable, right? Because unlike some of the other characters like, uh, you know, Yuta or Hisomu, uh, you know, which can be inter interesting characters in their own right, despite the fact that she's kind of tropey, the fact that she's very energetic and, you know, really funny kind of makes up for that. Yeah, like like I said, I've, I've said this in past episodes, I love characters that have that kind of personality. Mm -hmm. It's like characters that are very energetic, they're just very random and very, like, very caring, compassionate. It's like those, in my mind, they're some of the best characters you can see in, in an animation. Mm. Any other characters other than Nico, or is Nico like the only best girl? <laughs> Here's the thing, like she's my favorite, but I can't hate every other character. Like I liked the character, I liked all the females. <laughs> like, I liked Chidori, like I felt. <laughs> That's it. Joe likes Whoa, all the what females. about what about the male characters, Joe? No, I, I thought we're talking. Well, we're talking about best. I thought we were talking about best girl. Best character. Well, best girl would be like I don't have like she's my well my favorite my favorite character, but as far as females go, she, I like them all. And with the males, I like them all as well. It's like, but in the end, I kind of just like all the characters in some way, to some extent. Is there any character that you, you disliked more than the others, perhaps? Or just like all of them on the same level? They're, of course, they're not on the same level. Like, I could say, like, for example, I liked um, I liked Agato more than, say, Hisomu. It's like, for example, it's something like that. Or, like, I liked... I like Tenga more than Okay, Yuta. so basically you're saying that there's no overall worst character for you. It's just that you com you compare the characters, right? And some of them are, are worse than others. Is that correct? Huh. Yeah, by comparison. It isn't like there's a character I just don't like. It's kind of like I like them all to some extent, but there are some that are better than others. That's interesting. You know what I mean? By the way, guys, uh, you guys can't see this, but Joe actually has a picture of Nico as his Skype profile icon. So yeah, he's definitely... Yeah, Nico. so you you can under you can understand why I was ready to slick Kevin in the throat when he's when he was bashing Nico. Yeah, well, I'm not even mad at you, Joe. You did your duty to protect um your best girl, so uh, you did you did what you must, right? Uh, but unfortunately, I will do what I must do as well, and uh, that is voice my least favorite and favorite characters. You know, note that you know nothing personal here. I'm just giving my honest opinion on what I think of these these characters. All right, and um, Hisomu. Like I said, I know that a lot of people like Hisomu, right? I personally don't get it, right? I'll tell you why. Hisomu, it's the fact that he he's really weird, right? And he's really eccentric, perhaps a bit too eccentric. And for me, personally, uh, I like characters that I can relate to, right? Relatability is very important in, uh, in shows for me because that establishes a connection between the person who's watching and the character themselves. That creates a special link, right? Gives you a reason to care about. Right? With Hisomu, there was none of that, right? Because, you know, I'm not a masochist. I don't know 
any people personally who are masochists. And it's not only that, it's that like so many other characters in the show, it's it's done to death, all right? The fact that he's a masochist is done to death. It's like his main defining character trait, all right? So much so, in fact, that his other character uh, points, you know, the other aspects of his personality are never fully exploited because it's all it always loops back to him liking pain, all right? No matter what it is, it's always... Lol, guys, look at Izomu. He he's uh, having pleasure because he's getting beaten, or he's feeling pain. You know. Let me just say something here. It's if that wasn't there, if they introduced that the fact that he liked pain and then they took it away, then it it kind of defeats the purpose of him being introduced as that character anyway. So that it needs to be there. But I do agree with you. I think it is overplayed at times. Like, I'm not saying I like hate him. I'm not saying he's like reviling right it's just that his character development is hurt because you know time and time again as soon as some potential thread is explored here it always goes back to the same trope over and over and over right and eventually you know i just got bored of it because you know he's really he's really mysterious right he's the character that i'd say that you know the least about right so he has so much potential here and it's being completely wasted and that's so frustrating as a viewer right because you're always like Oh, maybe next episode we'll find out more about Hisumu and you know why he is like who he is. But the reasoning they gave us in the show is, oh, lol, that's just who he is, man. Just deal with it. So it's kind of like a fuck you. I kind of agree with that. Like for it's, I'd actually say that as well. Like, but I would, I kind of agree with you. I'd say like I did like, like I said, each I like each hair to some extent, but I think my I think Hisumu was my least favorite character, like in that sense because it's like yes, he was he was very he was very smart, like he's despite his his masochistic personality but but like it's he was just random like he was for some reason he was in this in this random apartment in a random place it's like i kind of want to know like why was he there like they explained it to some extent but like it's like it's not enough it's not yeah they give you the i'm not saying that they don't give you the reasoning for things right you know why he's a masochist he's a masochist because that's who he is right and i'm not saying that's an invalid uh explanation right because that's that's what happens in real life, right? Sometimes there is an explanation, but in a show, you know, you know, in in entertainment, that's not a very satisfying answer, right? That's boring, and that's why I don't like him. You know, it's just like so many other characters in the show. Yeah, they're potentially interesting, but they're just they're limited to these tropes, right? And you know, characters they yeah. they play such a big role in the emotional impact that they have on the viewer, right? Just like you know. Uh, music for example right and that's what i want to talk about now is yeah the characters we already established that you know they weren't too uh impressive at certain points but do you guys think that the music was good because for me i found that the music was actually quite nice it wasn't consistent i might say because uh you know i wasn't constantly being wowed by it but there were certain moments where i actually you know pause the anime and i'm like okay wow that's actually pretty damn good right um I find that the score, uh, I'm not sure who composed the score for this anime, but it was pretty damn solid, alright? There are mo many moments where the score goes perfectly with what's going on um, on screen, right? Uh, and it's mainly in scenes where either A, um, shit's going down, so it's really tense, right? And it really makes you uh, feel the pressure, or B, it's supposed to be emotional and it makes you sad. Though, you know, as good as the music is, it can't make up for, you know, the, the downfalls anyway. So even in the sad scenes, even the music could not, you know, bring me to, you know, cry because... I, I agree. 
I agree there. I think, you know, as um, a lot of Trigger shows tend to have really nice OSTs, um, this, and this obviously didn't disappoint, but as you mentioned, the OST has to go with some sort of content on the screen. I think yeah. the content on the screen, uh, as you mentioned, was very inconsistent, didn't quite match yeah. at some point. And when they did match, it it didn't quite excuse, the, you know, the shitty story. The music can only do so much, right? Exactly. It, the the, the music is there is there to support what's going on there. And, and if there's not much going on in terms of the anime, the music is not going to help it out much. The music is there to emphasize uh, what's going on. It's not there to be the star of the show. And we know this. Um, but in terms of the opening and the ending, and I think these are very awesome things. Didn't really like the ending. I really loved the opening. Wow. Um, the reason I liked the opening was because, it, you know, it. I don't know, it just felt really chill. And and the way the strobe lights were going on, it was very unique for an for an anime. Um, and I liked how you know the characters were moving around, and you know the you know the character sketches and whatnot, how they were moving around, and they were very like really super crisp, and how they were drawn and whatnot, and it just really felt nice. It was very simple, and it was great. Although I do have an issue about the you know the strobe lights moving around. Like, shouldn't they put like a uh, a warning? Yes. For like uh, people who who get like seizures and stuff, because I'm not sure if it would induce a seizure. But I do I do endorse um discla- like disclaimers or like seizure warnings. But at the same time, it professionally just doesn't look good when you're trying to show an opening. Personally, I I didn't find that as a problem because yeah, there were lots of colors, but I didn't find that it was flickering as much. It was in, it was simply moving on the screen. Yeah, so maybe I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was I, very never... it was more surreal than it was very flashy. Mm. I found it, as, you know it, I mean? f- it felt very psychedelic as well. Yeah. And I, I like that. It let, it let me kind of chill. It reminded me of, I don't know, it reminded me of like the Beatles. Like, uh, have mm. you seen a music be- uh, video for like the Beatles or something? Please it kind of reminded me, me no. of a like, y- Yellow Submarine or like uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, these kind of stuff. It reminded me of that kind of yeah. 60s uh, era. I don't know why. The music itself didn't. Yeah. It was just well, the strobe lights and everything that was going on. I just felt chill, man. I'd say that like, Unlike, you know, strobe lights that flicker on and off, you know, where it's really choppy. I find that, you know, the way that they handled the light and the way way they played with it, it was really smooth, right? And there was this sort of flow that was created, right? So it was not choppy and, you know, really brisk. It was nice and smooth. And it went along really well with the music, right? Uh, Speaking of the music, though, for the opening, what do you guys think about that? I personally, uh, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not great either for me. I found it was, it was all right, okay? It was just typical electronic music for me. What do you guys think of the, the music for the opening? Um, the music for the opening, I, I quite liked it. If I'm not mistaken, Stunned by Boom Boom Satellites, I'm not sure if that's actually the name or maybe I'm making it up. They're part of Sony Productions or Sony M- Music, whatever. You know, it's you can tell it's done by a band, professional mm. band or whatever. I enjoyed it. I found it was very unique for an anime. I haven't heard an anime with, with such an opening like that. Um, before and I think it matched well with the lights and the way the characters were jumping around mm. in their triangles and stuff. It it, it really made me feel feel kind of cool. Yeah. Does it work? Is X is also the name of an EP done by by the same band. Um, is actually their final final record because their their vocalist and guitarist um, Michiyuki Kawashima was actually having health problems so this this wasn't made specifically for the anime though well i it doesn't say anything about it being specifically but it's like the track is the track released relatively recently like the ep released june 22nd so like the track maybe it was the first time it was used but it was it's probably a more general use 
in terms of like the way it was paired with the, the animation, I think that was nice, right? Not gonna lie. Uh, the music itself, standalone, it's pretty, it's pretty run of the mill in my opinion. It's pretty standard. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't download it, right? If that's what you're asking, you know, I it would not download this and listen to this on my own time. No, it did what it had to. The animation was really crisp. The music, less so in my opinion. What do you think, Joe? Um, well, like I said, I, well, I really loved the opening. It was very like it was the the one of well the few intros that I usually don't skip. Well, actually. I think I don't really skip many intros because I do like the music I listen to generally. But this intro was like something that's like, this is something that I'm required to hmm. listen to every time. It's because it just felt really good listening to it. Like it had this surreal feeling it within does. me. It does. It's kind of like just looking at it, it just felt relaxing. What? Bish, uh, we talked about the, the opening, right? But what I noticed before though is, um, Bish, you said that you didn't really like the, the ending that much. Like, why is that? I, I, I don't know. It's because sometimes the episodes kind of end on such a dramatic point and then the ending is just such a it's a letdown so you're saying the ending didn't fit like so ending didn't ending. fit some of the end points within that episode for example and the best thing about the opening is the fact that an opening of course yeah that, that, that precedes all the action exactly because it precedes everything so it doesn't really matter what you put for the opening but the ending is very important because it it sets the scene for the next episode. And then when you have such a soft kind of song or whatever, not song, composition, it's especially in such a tense moment, it's like, what the hell is this? I think they would have benefited from having a second ending. But of course, it's not, the anime is not long enough to have a second ending or a second opening. Yeah, second endings and openings usually come after 13 episodes. Yeah. That's for two, it's for like two core episodes, uh, animes. And uh, unfortunately, this is not long enough. But I don't know. Personally, I, I do agree that perhaps sometimes the action was really tense and then it kind of transitioned to this song, right? Which is really slow and serene. But I personally viewed that as uh, an advantage, right? I really liked the way it was really peaceful and serene, especially with the background art because it was uh, Sonazaki, if you don't uh, recall correctly. Uh, it was Sonazaki in the background during the majority of that ending, right? So it really fits her character in a way. In fact, that I'd say that it kind of the the ending actually fits her character more than some moments from the actual anime itself, right? Because it's really slow and peaceful, and it kind of matches her because she is always calm, right? She never really has any extreme emotions, right? Because you know, you know of the the accident that happened, right? And on my opinion, from my on my opinion about the <clears throat> about the outro, I enjoy it, but. Like, although I can agree with Bish that at some points it didn't really fit the end of some episodes, I do guys say, like, in its own right, it's nice to listen to. Like, it's not the it's not the first time I've heard something like it, but it's it's one of the better ones out there. Like, I wouldn't say that the either the opening or ending are, like, amazing. I wouldn't put it on any, oh, on any top lists out there, but, you know, they, they do their jobs uh, adequately, and, you know, we can give them credit for that. Uh, in terms of, you know, we've, we've talked about... The, the way things were animated, the opening and ending. Uh, what do you guys think about the way the characters and the action was animated and drawn uh, within the anime itself, though? Mm, this Any is very interesting. Um, for all the downfalls in the anime, I think this is really one of the positive points. I love the, the, the kind of colors that they use, as well as the line art as well, and the way they animate certain characters. For example, Nika. She's very kind of 
she's poppy she like jumps about and she's very unique in in you know what she does as a character similar to Marco from from Killer Killer as I mentioned before you know she has a very unique palette of movements let's say it's also the colors as well as I mentioned you know Nico's very colorful as a character and even the other characters they're very colorful as well like you know I can't even remember Yuta has blue hair and you know the other guy has purple hair um even the way the scenery looks is quite nice it's kind of like this metropolitan type scene and it's i don't know it's like it has its dark kind of moments like there's there's a nice contrast between the colors you have your really bright colors when it's daytime and then when it's nighttime and more serious things are happening it's more dark and gritty and things like that um one thing i liked in terms of the animation was the scene where they were traveling on that underground train and it was just very empty and you had the kind of dim lighting and to me i kind of felt connected to that it felt very realistic even though it's an anime it just felt really realistic and i i feel like that must have been a success for the animation team that did that one scene just because of that because i just felt to me it popped out mainly because i travel on trains a lot but um but still i kind of connected with that scene like more probably more than the whole that no, no that's that's going too far there Ouch. but uh, <laughs> um oh that's obviously a joke but well, yeah what about what about you guys what do you what do you think of the animation and art style um actually well go ahead joe oh yeah i was actually very surprised by how the animation looks because if you look at past shows like if you look at girl Lagan or if you look at kill a kill like they have very like they have stylized but very sloppy designs like it, even space luluka like which aired kind of side by side it's like they it was, it's very it's very how do I describe it? It's like a sloppy, but not the bad kind of sloppy. You know what I mean? Like very laid back. Yeah, I think it. It. I agree with you, Joe. Because you know, if we look at Killer Kill, there are moments where you can tell that you know the it's kind of choppy in terms of its animation. And yeah, but it kind of benefits. Yeah, it benefits it, it in in the way. style of Killer Kill because sometimes it it helps with jokes and stuff. But Kiznaiva has a very like refined kind of art style. Yeah, it's very refined. It's very. Sharp. But at the same time, you can still tell it's a trigger anime from it. Yeah, despite that, it's still yeah, pretty you know, goofy. Like if you look at Nico, yeah, if you look at Nico, for example, like I saw, I saw like that trigger style the most to Nico. Like it's not like it's not a matter of like she because she's my favorite character. It's more like you could see like with her expressions, like she reminded me of Mako. She was like straight up Mako at some points, which I which was very funny and very enjoyable. I have to. So like I just I just like how. I liked how colorful it was. I liked how sharp it was. It was like very high quality animation, and for something that's simulcasting. It's like impressive they were able, they were able to keep up to keep the quality up. Like you can only imagine how it's gonna look in the DVD release. And you know, I've said quite a bit about my thoughts on character design at the beginning. I think that it's great, really good. Uh, despite my many gripes about this anime, considering like about the characters, one thing that they did very well about the characters is design. Like I said, they're very unique, right? No two characters look the same, and it's really fitting because their personalities are very different as well, right? And I find it's really interesting, Joe, that you mentioned how sharp the characters look because I find that they look sharp, but not in a way that uh, that makes them flat or boring, right? Um, it's Obviously, this design is not something that you'd see in perhaps a more serious anime, right? Um, it's very colorful, very cheerful, and it's really, it pops out, right? And really catches your attention. Other than that... Right, and I also want to mention... I also want to mention... I'm sorry, Kevin. I was, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned the the mascot of the show, the Gomerans. I thought... No, Gomerans, I don't have too much to say on. I do say that... I will say that um, they're pretty cute, all right? They look nice, but... 
I just never understood why they were there, right? They're just kind of how, how do they look cute? They look like a rotted ball sack. That's what they look like. It looks like someone squeezing a scrotum. That's what they look like. Damn. Okay. Well, no, I, like it's well, the reason they were there is just they're just the mascot of Sugimori City. It's kind of like it's kind of like the trait of yeah, it is, and it's it's actually Sugimori's uh, soft toy. Personally, interestingly enough, I found that they're really cute because you know they're they're nice and round and really they look really huggable, right? So it reminds me of that one character from Persona Four, right? And you probably won't agree with this, but what Teddy? Yeah. No, fuck you, man. No, no. They're, they're huggable. They're nice. They're so big and round. No, you you're the Bish, Bish, just let go of those aggressive feelings and just you, hug no, the let's, Gomorrah. Let's say the, the Gomorrahs remind me of um, oh, Guts. Guts from, from Killer Kill. They, they remind me of Guts. They have a similar character design to Guts. You guys remember Guts. Joe, Oh, I remember. Yeah. I haven't watched Killer Kill yet, so it's, I, it's I like, can't comment. It's like Guts died and then they took his rotted corpse and reanimated him. No, you're no, really that's, mean. You, that's the Gomorrah. You really must not like this character or no, this mascot. No, it's not, it's not like I don't like them. I just feel like they, they just don't look right. They they, they don't look like a if lovable you're say that the, mascot. The fucked up ones at the end, like the black ones. Then I definitely agree because they they look like they're on fucking drugs or something, right? They look fucked up. You know, I no, like the, I like those ones better. I like to think of them. I like to think of them as the uh, as the Monokumas. Yeah, of, they, of, they, are. They're City like, because shit, they're they are like the Monokumas of. Ah. Oh, Joe, I, I just want to mention this before we go on to uh, gripes and grumbles, but doesn't Maki remind you of Peko? Just saying, just saying, she, she's so Peko. Anyway, another thing I wanted to mention was for all those people that don't like Love Live, I just want to say this. Have you noticed that Maki is a character from Love Live? Honoka, which is Maki's, I believe, first name or surname, is another character from Love Live, and Nico is another character from Love Live. Mind blown. That's three characters from Love Live making their way into this fucking anime. Just saying. Mind blown. To continue with that point, if Nico from Love Live is anything like the Nico from this anime, she's a fucking fake. No, that's not that's not the point. I mean, like, the names were... I'm not going to say were inspired, but just maybe. Maybe someone from Studio Trigger really loves Love Live, and he was like, you know what? We got to put as many Love Live references as we can, and... Well, you you heard here. This is Bish's head. Yeah, this is this is my. Cat. It is possible. I I was thinking of that too when I saw Nico. I was like, coincidence? I think not. But uh, some people will disagree. Yeah, but, you know. No, um, you know, after Bish just trash talked um, Gomorin, which I personally find insulting. Uh, let's move on to the ending actually, because you know we were talking about the the shitty Gomorin design at the end, and I have a lot to talk about the ending. I don't know about you guys, but um, I'll be honest, uh, the last episode sends a really, it, it gives me mixed signals, right? Because on one side, I mean, like, I want to care about Sanzaki and uh, Agata, right? Because uh, you know, the backstory of the 19 children, the original experiment, it's kind of sad, right? You can't help but feel bad for them, right? On the flip side, I don't know if you guys noticed this, um, but you know how in the end, Agata's like, Oh no, Sonazaki, you have to um, share your pain with others, right? You can't just, you know, uh, contain it within yourself anymore, right? He says that. But then my first reaction to that was like, wait, what the fuck? Are you telling me that um, Noriko would, was able to fucking share her pain, like, willingly this entire fucking time? Like, where did that come from, right? Because this was never mentioned before that point. So, in my opinion, at its best, this is terribly explained plot. At its worst, this is like a Deus Ex Machina, right? It's just pulled out of nowhere for the convenience of the plot. Well, I actually do want to. I actually do want to um, say rebuttal um, for that because they actually 
did explain it to some extent where it's like the reason she like she had she could release all this pain but she didn't want to was because she believed that she had that huge belief the entire time that the reason she's able to know all these people and connect with them was because she had this pain within within her she believed that, like this pain helped her connect with them and that's kind of why she kind of this she wanted to spread her pain through Sugimori City in the first place. Even then, even then, if you're going to go, oh yeah, the pain is what connects her. Uh, I don't get why she needs to take take the drugs. And you're, they say that they, she needs to take the drugs because she gets like, um, you know, all the pain is is um is too much. It's a painkiller, effectively. But I understand that. Think about this. Where is that pain coming from? It's coming from the 19 people from the experiment, right? What are those 19 people doing? They're sitting on a fucking chair. They're not doing anything, right? Well, it's because the problem is that it wasn't sent back. Like, the, her, her pain wasn't sent back. Yeah, it wasn't spread across the 19 people. It was... Emo- imagine- yeah, that was the issue with the system in the first place. Like, it was only going one way. That, that's exactly my point. So they're like, whenever someone in that group would walk, that... The feeling on their foot, for example, would be amplified 19 times and sent to her, right? Because she's feeling all of their senses at once. Mm. But all of them are sitting in the fucking chair at that little at the at the school. That no, that's not just that. It's it's also the fact that they were also that that's just a, a you know it probably started off like that, and then it obviously worked into emotional pain, and then physical pain because you know we saw this in I think episode nine, that episode where they were talking about the the whole romance thing, where they're all sitting on the floor saying, "Oh, I'm in pain, I'm in pain." You get a flashback of the kids doing the same thing, so that would affect um, Nori in probably even worse. You know, and that's probably that. nineteen times going back to her, and that's fucking pain, pain that she mm. wouldn't be able to handle as a child, not even as an adult. As a child is very difficult, so I can understand. I must retort there because. I would completely agree with you if those 19 subjects that are, you know, sending her the pain signals were still up and about. But at that point in the anime where we're at, they're vegetables. They're literally vegetables. Yeah, no, it's because they explained that they were drained. They were essentially drained. Like, they they took, like, Nori basically took their emotions, and that's why yeah, they're vegetables. They, like, they can't they, think, and they can't feel. Yeah, the, they can't think, they can't feel, but the people who were sane, like Agato, were released. But, like, there are some people, there are a lot of people still didn't survive, which is why they're kind of sitting in the courtyard. Yeah, I know, but my point is, like, why does she need those drugs if the people that are supposed to cause her pain are not doing anything they can't really cause her pain if they're not walking around they're just lying around being vegetables because the pain is still within her the pain's still within her and she's also getting pain from from the main character bear in mind he was he used to get beaten up yeah for money yeah and he didn't realize who that pain was going through and he still had like his naiva connection with with nori-chan and nori-chan was feeling that pain imagine that right, like it didn't go back to them like it never did yeah but like it, it was oh it was kind of like a it's not like a one-way path you can't go back that path yeah it is true that he was beaten but then again when uh agata was connected uh in the kissing system with the other six they were feeling the pain too right and that's the same pain that she would feel the thing is She's feeling the pain from Agata, right? But the 18 others, you know, excluding those who are dead, obviously, they're not doing anything because they're just vegetables now. That's my point. Well, because well, Agato was one of the sane people who escaped, which is, well, not escaped, like who was, who was released, which is why he still kind of had that connection. But even then, it's just a link between Agata and Noriko. It's the same pain that the others are dealing with. And it's not like life-threatening, right? But I think then... The main thing to kind of take away from this is that, yes, the other ones are vegetables, 
But at the same time, vegetables can still feel pain. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're in a vegetative state, it doesn't mean you can't feel pain. Do you see what I mean? Mm. We don't know what pain they're going to go on inside it. Just because they're not showing the pain, just because they're not feeling the pain, doesn't mean that the pain is not going on. This is another thing. The anime doesn't quite explain these things, hence why we're having large discussions and kind of going yeah. off tangent. In be- I think this is the main problem with the anime, is the fact that it doesn't explain a lot of things, especially with the whole kid's Niva system. It's very and vague. It's very vague, and I think this is down to the fact that this is only a 12-episode anime and i think it would have benefited from having a lot more episodes um potentially i think this is how they should have structured it uh similar to persona for the animation where everyone had their own episode you know how chie had their episode kanji had their episode i think the same thing should be here i want to know more about yuta's story how he was a fat kid i want to know more about the other characters who i kind of forgot their name because they're kind of irrelevant i want to know more about nico nico's not really mentioned much the fact that she doesn't believe in fairies we just kind of forget about it and i want to know why does she believe in fairies well, yeah, it, it, it was mentioned, but I want to know more about that. I want to know more about the characters. I also want to know more about Chidori's relationship with uh, Kachon, you know? But we don't get this thing. And I think we would have got that within um, within maybe 26 episodes. And we would have known more about the Kiznivers. We would have known more about the original plan as well. Right, that's, I actually do agree with Bish. That was actually going to be my primary gripe with the show. It's really short. It's like I expected this to go on for 26 because I'm like, you, like that's kind of a bad assumption on my part. Like, I can't really, I should have done more research, but it's like 26 is usually like the length Trigger would go for with like with a series series. So like when I heard 12 episodes, I'm like, I'm, I'm wondering how they're gonna put all this into t- 12 episodes, and like because of the 12 episodes, they kind of they kind of put them at disadvantage. They couldn't do as much as they wanted to. But like then again, like it might have been a budget budget issue, but it's, it's still undeniable that the small the small time they had with the show was one well, of the reasons why it was kind of falling behind see yeah, this is this is behind. the thing in terms of budget issue like yes it might have been a budget issue but i think they could have if it was a budget issue they could have well managed their budget because they didn't need to get a a song that was licensed by sony you know sony records which is a big record mm-hmm. company they didn't need that music they could have just created their own music or whatever or or hired a composer or whatever to have done that instead of going for a big fucking company like sony for their you know the, for their music licenses i think that might have been a cost that they could have avoided mm. maybe i think but that yeah. it's not just a budget issue here i do agree with you guys that yeah perhaps it would have benefited from more episodes, i don't right? think i don't think it's a budget issue i think there's something underlying that we don't necessarily know about in terms of this maybe they just wanted to test something out mm. and to be honest looking at the ending i don't think that there is going to be a season two and if there is god help everyone yeah, because I don't want to see a season two. Well, the fu- the way they ended it, it's I don't think there would be a way for a season two to happen, right? And uh, moving back to my point about um, what you guys said, I do agree that yeah, perhaps episode more episodes would give you know opportunities for the, the characters to have their backstories explored, right? The way uh, Maki's was, but it's not just uh, a length issue here, right? This is why I think this way, uh, because if it was a length issue, then. Uh, I'll use Tiger and Bunny as, as an example here, um, where you know not all the characters' backstories were developed, right? Some of them were well developed, others not so much, right? The thing is, uh, in Kiznaiver, that's not the case. I think it's also a pacing issue because in between the beginning and the ending, it's really slow, and we they don't use uh, those episodes in between the middle of the anime to develop characters. There's Maki, and it's like thing is, I think that pacing and length number of episodes go into hand hand in hand. 
you know the more episodes you have you can kind of make it a lot slower yeah the pacing is a little you can spread the pacing out across more episodes and i think that would have made it more consistent but i see what you mean the the episodes i think some episodes had too much things going on you know what i mean like even within the last episode it kind of felt like oh okay so she just goes crazy within one episode and it gets resolved within yeah. one episode. Usually, like, if this happened in something like Tempest, that would go over two episodes, maybe yeah. three. I'm not saying I wanted it to go over three episodes because I think it's a really dumb ending, let's be real here. But still, in those types of animes, they tend to give a lot more time for the ending and to kind of develop it a lot more because I think the ending of this anime was half-arsed, to be to be honest, mm. it was just like, hey, let's let's just give them the generic ending, you know, the good the good ending. I did not want to see a good ending for this anime. I did not expect it because, you know, I, I love good endings, but they kind of went more the romance route again. And it was just like, please, well, no, but this sh- is a science fiction anime. We don't need this. Were you expecting ending. like a, a really tragic ending, though? Because what I is- was expecting, this is what I was expecting. I because that, it, they didn't really explain the whole the whole Kisniva system and how these people magically were taken out of their vegeta- vegetative state. But I assume that, you know, if she died, then everyone that was connected to her would feel her pain, including the main character, Kachon, and he will feel pain because of she, he, she died or whatever. And I thought since the beginning of the anime, oh, I was thinking, okay, I want to give you back your pain. I was thinking she's going to fucking die. And that's how he's going to get his pain back. Yes, it's a very tragic way of me thinking, but I think that that was the way I was expecting. I was thinking she was going to just jump off the bridge and he was just going to be in pain. And then I was like, shit, that would have made sense. Yes, not not physical pain, probably physical pain because he actually is connected to that by yep. via Kiznaiva, but more so emotional pain. And I think that would have been a much better ending. And then you could have his friends support him. And then that would have been... It would have been a tragic ending, but it would have been some hope within that tragic ending. Yeah. But it was just like a happy-go-lucky. I was like, oh, yeah, look, these people are, are taken out of their vegetative state. And I'm not sure if, you, if you've if you met a vegetable before, someone who is in a vegetative state, they don't they don't get out of it. Let's just be real. In that case, though, I'd argue that there are two different situations, right? Because they're in a vegetative state because of a very specific thing, right? Because their emotions are being drained by Sanzaki. So in that case, it's reversible. What you're talking about is not, right? Yeah, I know. But at the same time, it's kind of... I I agree with you there. because It's, it's just they, they're making loopholes and say, yeah, they're in vegetative state because of this and it can be taken out because of that. And it's just like, okay. It's the same thing with how uh, Kachon can't feel pain. At the beginning, I thought he had something maybe wrong with... I thought the whole Kiznaiva program manipulated people's nerve systems. That's how I thought. I was like, okay. But then it was on a deeper emotional level. And that's, to me, the whole nerves and manipulating nerves makes more sense. Like nerve endings mm-hmm. makes more sense rather than this whole, you know, Nori taking the pain and they're not feeling the pain. That made more sense mm. to me personally. Well, but. I agree with you there. Like, I was kind of expecting um, a semi-serious ending myself. And uh, in fact, I was kind of expecting this sort of the same things as you when I was watching the last episode. But what prevented me from being, um, you know, disappointed as well, or as disappointed as you at least, is that I reminded myself that, yeah, this anime, there are themes here that can be explored that can be very dark, right? You know, this whole manipulation of uh, emotions here, this whole ethics about this experiment. You know, if you think about it, this, this Kizna experiment, it's not ethical at all, right? So it can, has the potential to be, to be very dark, right? But you have to remember 
that time and time again, this anime tries to be a rom-com, right? And that really lightens the mood. And I don't, th I did not think at the time that, you know, with characters like Nico being super happy and all that, you know, I didn't think that they would really, you know, dare pull a super dark ending. No, not after all of those rom-com tropes that we saw in, in in the anime. I think a soup. I think a dark ending would have been more beneficial. It would have pissed a lot of people off, but I think it would have been more beneficial for the anime as opposed to the ending that we currently got. We got. Well, I mean, it's kind of the point of a bet. This kind of a point of a dark ending. It's yeah. kind of like to stir emotions. Exactly, people, but, but the ending way. we got was was like an easy way out. It was like, yeah. hey, look, everyone's okay now. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of like a Deus Ex Machina. It's so convenient that things happen exactly the way they happen in the ending so it's kind of disappointing but even if it did end tragically i i don't think it would have saved the anime what you guys think would you know a super dark ending like the one bish pose would that have saved the anime for you guys or do you think the anime needed saving in the first place well, i mean i can't say it would save it because it wasn't i didn't really i personally didn't think it needed much saving to begin with mm -hmm. it's more like i think it would have improved greatly if the ends kind of ended on a tragic mm -hmm. note I agree. It's like, it's just, it's just like, I do agree with Bish now. Like, I never, didn't really think about it until now. It's like, that is a very generic ending. Like, of course it made me happy. It's like, made me happy that all these characters are all right. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of, it's the easy way out. It's like, you kind of want them to do more with it. And like, do, do something trigger. It's not you. bad for an ending, but it's not the best. It could have been a lot better. You know, I think that's what we're all trying to say here. The reason I expected a bad ending was because look at, for people that haven't watched Killer Kill, watch Killer Kill and look at the ending of Killer Kill. It was a somewhat tragic ending, but it had a light note at the end. And that's well, why I was- What ending are you talking about? Are you talking about like the end of the OVA? Because that's like- No, no, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the actual, the end of the animation, not the OVA. So the end of the animation had like an, a tragic ending, but it ended off with some sort of light note at the end. And I was expecting Kiznaiva to have a similar sort of thing. So I was disappointed in terms of that because, you know, Trigger already put us something, got me hyped for this anime because of Killer Kill. And because, you know, Killer Kill had the similar sort of art style and the action and all that kind of stuff. And to me, the ending just ruined it for me. As well as the whole trying to be a romance anime, I felt that romance had some sort of part in it, but I feel that it was forced. It wasn't done properly in my opinion. It wasn't, and I think Trigger need to work on that, especially... Speaking of the forced anime, uh, yeah, not forced anime, the forced romance and the ending though, um, one thing that really pissed me off uh, was the fact that they, they continued, they went along with the stuff they established in episode 9. And what I'm talking about is, you know, the relationships that they kind of threw together super quickly. Like, even in the end, it's heavily hinted that Chidori and Tenga are a thing now, right? And I'm like, why? Why? Why is that happening, right? I mean, it was thrown together really quickly for one episode, and it it's somehow going to be, like, canon now, right? So it was kind of frustrating to see that, you know, such a, eh thing was continued you know yeah i kind of i kind of expected the show to have a mediocre ending when they decided that they wanted to bring in the big like the really big twist with her with dory wanting to connect the entire city with the via the kizna system in a single in a single episode well big twist but at the same time it was kind of cliche well i know like when it's like well, I didn't mean to say twist. I'm kind of just trying to emphasize the point. Mm. It's like I'm. It's like I kind of expected the show to have a this mediocre ending when they decided, like, oh, we're gonna introduce this big, big outcome in the second to last episode. It's like that's what. That's also brings you to the point of it, if it were much longer, then it could have been able to pace that better. 
But like, you know, now that we've kind of, you know, elaborated our gripes and grumbles and we've talked about characters and the design in terms of audio and stuff, uh, you know, would you recommend this anime? And would you watch, like, if there is a second season, right? Let's say, that, let's suppose that there is a second season. Would you watch it? Um, I'll start off with this. Second season, no way. Because I fear what the second season will be like, considering the ending. Second season will probably be like, oh yeah, look, look at all of us. And it's, I don't think it's going to be more of a of a Haganai type situation and it, I don't think it should even be called Kiznaiver anymore let's be real um, because it won't have anything to do with a um, Kizan system but I think an anime prequel would be very interesting I want to see I want to see an anime about the original Kiznaiver system where we know more about the um, the researchers and more about the kids as well that would be that, that would be fucking badass and trigger if you're listening do that because i think it would redeem this show on another level it wouldn't be a second season but it would be it would be quite cool it'd be a second season but a pre i think that's one way they could go for i think they can potentially do that in an ova as well like it doesn't need to be a whole anime series because the two researchers i forget their names because they're not honestly particularly interesting but the two researchers right uh the two researchers are mutsubi uroshibara and kazunao yamada Mm, okay well the thing is we in those in the flashbacks right we always see them you know contemplating about their decisions right you know is what we're doing is it right or wrong right so that that'd be a really interesting thing to tackle in say a prequel season right because uh i want to know more about these 19 participants that were kind of you know pushed off to the side that i don't really care about right yeah or for example uh the the parents of those kids or the the people behind yeah that's another thing i, I want to know how the kids got into the kizna system it's mentioned that their parents were sponsors or whatever but i want to know who would who would actually what type of parents would put their kid through this knowing potentially what the outcome could they be. they were really optimistic at first though everyone was buying into it well i mean it wasn't weren't the children that were part of the the original kizna system the children of some of the researchers there researchers and and sponsors as well i think that would be much more interesting um I'd, I I don't know whether I'd watch it like definitely because um I do feel that they they have tackled quite a lot uh in this season uh, albeit with many flaws but you know a sequel uh I wouldn't watch it to be honest because I fear that it, that would be more of a rom com than uh, you know a thriller uh they they'd kind of lose uh, the original concept and the uniqueness that uh that this season has, you know, the premise of the Kizna system, they'd lose that. And it, I have a feeling that unless they do something really creative, it would be dumbed down to a rom-com, right? And that's not something interesting. That's not something that uh, I would want to watch. Prequel, maybe, like you guys said, uh, your ideas are really good, right? That'd be interesting because that would develop, that fill in the holes, so to speak, that were, were left in this anime because we're left with so many questions, right? Like there are so many things that could be explored in terms of plot, in terms of character that are potentially interesting, mm. but it never realizes its full potential. And that's my, agree. my problem here. Right. Um, would you recommend it, guys? Um, if As for recommending it, I, I, I kind of would. It's like, it's because again, like at the end of the day, despite its flaws, like it all comes down to like, it's interesting concept with connecting everyone through pain. And like, I really think that's something people should get to see, like despite what, that they may or may not think about it by the end of it and as for as for wanting to see a second season like it's not something i'm it's not something i'm against it's more like if it came then sure whatever i'll give it a watch i'll give it a few episodes because it's like i know i'm like i know i'm giving i'm kind of letting trigger go off easily like go off easy i know i've like made it 
kind of prevalent th- throughout this episode, but it's like I know they can probably, possibly make a second season in a way that it could kind of work. But like, but currently I can't really, th- currently I can't really think of a way. But like I'm, it's more like I'm putting faith in them. Like if they were to do second season, that would be possible. But like, yeah. And for as for a prequel, I would love to see a prequel because, like I said, my favorite moment was when they were talking about the past, when they were talking about the original Kizna system, and seeing them elaborate on those points and developing more of the characters that were involved in that system. I would love to see something like that. Uh, now that you mention it, unfortunately, I think that I'd have much rather had a season about you know the original Kizna program first, and then have a follow-up to that is what we is this because the, the original exper- experiment sounds so much better you you could have split this anime into two cores exactly you know you could That'd have split it into core great. one where you talk about the original kizna system and then the second core where you introduce these characters that would be very cool um you know because in a way you still have the same characters you have nori and kachon from you know the first mm. core going into the second core that would be cool and i think studio trigger you know what just you, you should hire me because i'm just i'm giving you great ideas i gave you the idea of using a ova or a prequel to kind of fix the shit that you're in and and also the um the split core thing so you know just hit me up on twitter at get alive podcast just saying now hiring <laughs> yeah so i know that's obviously a joke in terms of recommending it to a friend hell no i would not recommend this show to a friend mm, okay i think i would recommend a much better kind of show which would has you recommend similar it to themes anyone period not, not just like no your friends i that... wouldn't i wouldn't Ooh, recommend damn. it to anyone and there's much better anime to recommend. If someone wants an anime that's about mystery and characters learning about each other and their true selves and and kind of learning about their emotions, I think Persona is much it's a much better anime of doing it. You know, because we learn about the characters' emotions, we learn about what they're going through, and I think that Persona is a much better Kizna system than the Kizna system ever was. Bish is a savage. I- but yeah. I'm, I'm just being honest here. Like, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. It is true, though. Brute honesty. Uh, you know, I have to agree, but I wouldn't be as harsh as Bish. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to any of my friends, right? Because I don't think any of my friends would be interested in this, all right? And if anyone, you know, told me, watched this anime beforehand and told me their thoughts and the way I did about the anime, I probably wouldn't watch either. So it's really hard to recommend, right? Because of its many, many flaws. Uh, because, you know... I really like characters, right? Characters and story are the two main things that drive an anime for me, personally, okay? And like I said, I found that there are, like, pacing issues, and the characters are really tropey, right? So, they're quite shallow, too. So, those two things really make me hesitate to recommend it to anyone. I have to agree with Joe, though, in that perhaps it's worth recommending to some people, you know, if you're really fucking bored... The premise alone perhaps gives you a reason to give it a shot. Not perhaps watch the entire thing, but the premise is interesting. It's worth a shot if you're bored, but it's not the best out there. I would not rec- like rank it as the best in anything, except perhaps, you know, maybe character design. But in terms of story, music even, plot, there are better anime out there, you know, like Bish said. So is it, no, the worst anime I've seen? No, definitely not. But it's not something that I'd be telling people that, you know, you have to watch this anime. And neither is it something that I would recommend to newcomers. Definitely not, all right? Uh, this is not really representative of anime industry, of shows that you see out there. You know, it has an interesting premise, but it falls short in so many ways that I just can't bring myself to recommend it to, to everyone. Now, that being said, though, um, with Bish and his brutal, savage honesty, I think that 
So guys, uh, you know, with us giving our thoughts on, you know, our gripes and grumbles, the plot, the characters and stuff, I think that, you know, it's about time we wrap up. And, you know, if at any point during this episode you're like, Bish, Kevin, Joe, what the hell, guys? You're totally wrong, you know, if you're just hating on Best Girl or you're just hating on, you know, Trigger, you're not giving them a chance. Or if you're like, oh, Joe, you were such an amazing commentator in this podcast and I wow. really want to send some love mail to you. Re really, really humble, Joe. Yeah, and if you want to draw, like, I don't know, like, fanfics of Joe and send it to him, he loves that. He, he won't admit it, but Joe loves that bits all right i'm always willing to i'm always willing to see the content of the fans um I, because i am for the fans. joe i can't give you that title the title doesn't go over you i i will never take that title but it doesn't mean i can deny my fans seriously though if you want to contact us and send us stuff we are on twitter at g-a-l-p kunai that's k-u-n-a-i that's our official twitter page or if you want to talk to us personally on our tw personal twitter pages uh bish what's your twitter page it's at Get A Life Podcast as always. Uh, mine's the Tempest Phoenix. I must specify that uh, Phoenix is spelled with F E N I X and not you know the normal way because I'm too cool for spelling. Um, anyways, uh, remember to put a capital in front of each word, or else I will not read your email or your your tweets. And Joe and I am at Kibo Gamer, spelled K I B O U G A M E R. If you want to uh, talk to us on email on and you want to send us stuff via email, uh, we have an email address as well. Uh, you can send us stuff at glp.pea, so like P, uh, at gmail.com. Anyways, uh, as usual, we'll be announcing our next episode, so you tell our fans what the next episode's about. Our next episode is going to be Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches. I'm actually pretty damn hyped, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, also referred by Kevin... I was referred to by Kevin as Waifu Wars Part 3. 